welcome to The Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. She never shoots nobody but atheists, Whitney Nelson. (laughs) Hello, everybody. (laughs) Weird... Weird religious zealotry in the middle of this one. It's just like a little bit uh, <laughs> caught a me lot off of guard. Weird stuff in this one. It goes to some dark places. I'm going to be honest. I was not expecting a Jimmy Stewart movie. I was not anticipating it. I thought we were still so fully in the like Disney family pictures era of Kurt Russell's life that yeah. I was not anticipating at all the kind of movie that I was given. <laughs> it was some. Um... There's some choice lines. There's some choice lines that we're going to get to. Let me just say that I had a tough time deciding for you. We pretty which, much which one was going to be mine? Oh my gosh, we basically could have used anything that Cleo said at all. Yes, anything yes. would Cleo, have worked. Cleo is incredible. <laughs> Maybe the most memorable person in the whole film. We yeah. will get to it. We have a a little bit of stuff up top that I I want to like knock out, but I'll. Normally we lump this together, but it's such a jam-packed uh, episode up up front that I just split it. So uh, let me knock out the housekeeping, all that contact info and stuff, and then we will get into something, Whitney, that I think we both agree is actually pretty incredible. So mm-hmm. really, really, truly incredible. <laughs> you, you you love to see it. It's the best. As always, I want to mention you can find our podcast at 12and24.com. That's the numerals 12and24.com. You can email us, kurtlockerpod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at kurtlockerpod, whatever your contact preference is. We love it. You can also join us on Discord and chat in real time at 12and24.com slash Discord. As always, every time I tweet this link out, two or three more people roll in. I'd like to welcome, I think, Maria... Uh, showed up recently. We had, I mean, Zoe's here. She doesn't post anything, but that's great. Uh, I can't remember. We had someone else, SP, I think. I don't, I'm not sure who that person is, but it's great. Everyone's showing up slowly, but surely we're building a a really nice little community over here. And I love it. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And then finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes and that will bring more folks into the fray. We can game that algorithm and bubble up to the top, which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Speaking of. Whitney. Yes. I don't know how you would describe the past 12 hours when, you know, I put all this <laughs> stuff together. But uh, I don't amazing. know. Amazing. Unprecedented. Incredible. Unprecedented. <laughs> Shock and awe. Let's set this up for people. We had Eric uh, catch up. Eric actually listens to the show, which is incredible. I don't think Whitney and I ever listened to our own shows, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I edit it and I'm listening to it the whole time, but not really for content, just kind of like to get it edited. Yes. Eric listens for pleasure. Yes. He mentioned the reviews that we read on our last episode, which ranged from like a five star to a two star situation and how we address those. He, I think he, you know, he thought we had some poise, you know, or whatever. Uh, 
it turns out that us reaching out to the reviewers <laughs> who gave us varying degrees of confusion and <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say disappointment. That's too strong of a word, but like a little bit of sadness, a little melancholy. Uh, we, we, we changed updates. Yeah, we changed hearts and minds, I think, really. is what is Those your words, right? Changing hearts and minds. <laughs> that sounds like something I would say. First, let's let's talk about Lane Train 11. Lane Train mm-hmm. had a very uh, confusing review for us, something about struggling with the podcast. Lane yes. Train actually updated their review to clarify. Yeah. They- <laughs> so we now know exactly why the score was five stars. <laughs> it's broken Three down perfectly. Three and a half stars for Kurt Russell. Uh-huh. And then we get one and a half additional stars for our insights and thoughts about Kurt Russell. So it's a cumulative five stars. Yeah. Which is super fair. I think so. I think I'll so. gladly take it. And I super appreciate I was very confused. I super appreciate Lane Train 11 updating because it all makes more sense to me now. Yes, of course. And honestly, you know, I don't want to be greedy, Whitney, but the 3.5 stars for Kurt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we picked Kurt. So I think yeah. some of those points, you know. I get it. I'll give three and a half stars. I would give four Listen, stars to Kurt. I would rate me 40% of whatever I would rate Kurt Russell myself. So <laughs> I'm with you. Right. Of course. Kurt Russell gets more than half of, of whatever I have. There it is. In addition. I'm, yeah, no, 100%. All right. I think that all works out. The The real shocking thing, I think, for Whitney and I was mm-hmm. listener Nikki. Now- I think the assumption is that, again, I, I don't know for sure, but Nikki, it seems like Nikki, even after her review, continued to listen to us. I, I don't know I, that for sure. I hope sure. so, because that's awesome. The fact that we kept you in spite of our flaws is right. amazing. And we honestly, it's very humbling. I super appreciate the, even though you had fair but harsh criticism. Mm-hmm. That you kept listening because we we thought we had lost you and uh, but no Nikki has gone in <laughs> and edited her review um, and added to the end. I know this is more my issue with sound more than with the podcast. Give it a listen. It's about a great actor in any case, and I think that's oh what we God. can really all agree on yes. is we're here for Kurt Russell, you and us. That is a three star swing for Nikki. Yes. We went from two to five, which is we did. Whoa. Whoa. Incredible. Thank you, Nikki, if you're still listening. I'm a, I, I've never experienced that before in my life. I put things out into the world pretty regularly, not just podcasts, mm-hmm. but like for my job as well. Mm-hmm. And if someone leaves a comment on like YouTube or a review of this or that, very rarely mm-hmm. is any thought given to it Ever again. After the fact. Yes. So I super, super appreciate it. Thank you. I actually invite both of you, Lane Train and Nikki, personally, please join us on Discord because even if you're not listening or whatever the situation is, you're still you'll still be able to hang out with like a lot of like minded folks and just chat about Kurt Russell and his films and stuff. Yeah. And and there's a lot of chatting and people's personal reviews and input on movies as we go. You know, people will 
watch movies after we do and then chime in with their thoughts. So even if you're not listening along with the podcast, but you love Kurt Russell as much as we do, you can join in and be part of that conversation, too. So, yeah, yeah, you'll find a group of of like minded people who all love Kurt Russell and want to talk about him. I love it. I love it. So uh, in addition to that, if that wasn't enough, we actually have a brand new five star review from uh, J.W. Portland, who has joined us from back in the very, very early days of Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. I think J.W. reviewed was was among our first reviews over there as well. Short and sweet, five stars. J.W. says, don't curb your enthusiasm. An absolute joy to listen to when I remember there's a new episode. Plus, (laughs) great guests. So I'll take it. I think that's James, if I had to uh, put a pin. I believe so. Yeah. Great. James, if it's you. I'm not 100% sure. Thank you. If it's not James, JW, whoever you are from Portland, thank you. Thank you. We're finally ready to talk about what movie we're here to talk about. Andrew, what movie are we here to talk about? Oh, my God. We are talking about the film Fool's Parade. The 1971 film Fool's Parade. We're squarely Mm -hmm. in the 70s. The plot synopsis from IMDb is, in 1935, after 40 years in a West Virginia prison, three released convicts wish to open a legitimate business using the $25,000 earned in prison, but a a crooked prison guard in cahoots with the town banker plans to defraud them. What a... What an interesting and wacky tapestry right there, you know? Mm, It is. This movie was written by James Lee Barrett and directed by Andrew V. McLaughlin. Co-starring alongside Kurt R. It's crazy. James Jimmy Stewart, George Kennedy. venerable Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) Of course, right? That's like, as soon as he shows up, you're like, what is going, what is this movie going to be? Yeah. And Baxter, Strother Martin, and Catherine Cannon. Whitney, this seems like we got we got Kurt Russell, we got Jimmy Stewart, George Kennedy even, who had a long and crazy career long after this movie, and Baxter, of course. Surely the critics and audiences have something to say about this one. Nobody has anything to say about this one. God damn it. There is no critical score and there is no audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So we're back to Boomertown where the IMDb (laughs) audience rating gives it six and a half out of ten. Okay. Six and a half out of ten. All right. Um, So yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, once again, we're left in the lurch. But we did have a critic, uh, John Mahoney of the LA Free Press, gave it three out of five stars, and says, It is the best film Andrew V. McLaughlin has directed, and a reassuring reminder that the narrative film need not be dead so long as it can be done well, invested with color and conviction. Wow. That's a, yeah. that's a that's lot a, for a three-star. review. But yeah, th- yeah. only three <laughs> out of five stars. <laughs> but well, yeah, that's a pull. That's a hell of a pull quote. Mm-hmm. So user Millisar 
on IMDb gave it 8 out of 10 stars and says, It doesn't have space aliens blowing up New York or laser beams shooting out of mutant size or even alleged terrorists fighting each other with biochemical weapons in some far-flung country. However, what it does have are actors practicing their individual crafts as best as they know how to and providing the viewing audience with an extremely good product. This is what is called entertainment. Uh-huh. Which I feel like is more uh, a dig at modern cinema than it is a review for this movie. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I felt lectured to in that mm-hmm. review. But it was mm-hmm. it was among, dare I say, the more eloquently written of the ones that I was able to come across that weren't just a regurgitation of the plot, which yeah. I understood. I watched the movie. I don't need you to tell me what happens. I need to know what you think of it. It's mm-hmm. weird. User reviews are super, super weird. <laughs> it's, it is a weird place to visit on the Internet is the user reviews for just about anything. <laughs> well, that's like... Uh, all of the reviews of scented candles uh-huh. have like gotten worse over the course of the pandemic because COVID leaves you with no sense of smell. Interesting. But there's also been the same trend in restaurants where people are going to the restaurants during the pandemic and talking about this food has no taste. Like this, this person was reviewing a New York sandwich shop and yeah. got tuna with pickles and said nothing tasted like anything. And I can guarantee you that if it's a bad place, the tuna tastes like something. And if it's a good place, the pickles taste like something. <laughs> so for you to get a whole sandwich that tastes like nothing, sir, you have COVID. <laughs> That's a real special kind of sandwich, I guess, right? They'll either get yeah. you coming or going, but you're going to taste something. You're going to wow. taste something. You know, I didn't even think about that, but I guess that's Oh, it's something uh, that I got lost in like a whole Twitter K-hole with today, actually, was reviews of restaurants before and during the pandemic and how many of them mention flavorless food. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I guess, yeah, I mean, that is one of the side effects of it. Yeah. That's... Loss of smell and taste. Some people are not going to be okay once things get back to normal. They will never taste another sandwich again. And that's sad. That's sad. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Whitney. Mm -hmm. We heard what uh, John Mahoney had to say. We heard from a user who put some words together. I'm curious, what did you think of this movie? Because this is definitely... Not a Disney movie. Definitely not a Disney movie. This is different for for Kurt, which is crazy. Yes. What are we thinking? Um. So my overwhelming response, like top of my list when it came to notes for this movie was Kurt Russell was terribly underutilized. Yeah. Um. I think that he had really good rapport with Jimmy Stewart. I think that he, like in every movie that we've talked about, he is a magnetic presence. He can carry the weight of a lot. And I think he should have had more of a role than he did. 
I know that Jimmy Stewart was always going to be the the lead of this movie, the star of this show, because yeah. it's Jimmy Stewart. And what I assume is his last film appearance. Hmm. I believe this is his last film appearance. But anyway, Jimmy Stewart is a legend. So obviously he's going to get the most screen time and whatever. But I thought that his interaction with Kurt really should have been more central to the movie. I think that they shunted him off to the side a little bit with him and his storyline. And um, so this movie is about three people released from jail Mm -hmm. who have all befriended one another in jail and have plans to go open up a general store with all of the money that Jimmy Stewart made while he was in prison in mining. So they're all going to go start a general store somewhere. They talk a little bit in the movie about who did what or didn't do what. Uh, I wish there had been more story about what they were convicted of. Yes. Because this movie very strongly revolves around all of them being fresh out of jail, being convicts, some of them being notable convicts. Uh, but all of them being good people. That's the whole point of this movie is the convicts are better people than anyone else yeah. in this town. The I can tell you, I don't I don't know. I don't want to. Uh, I know the movie didn't push this too much, but I had to know. And I, I looked it up. It was actually in the trivia for this movie. And I'm sure they mentioned it, but maybe it was just in passing. So Jimmy Stewart murder. The mm-hmm. the the murder of two people yeah. who were actually trying to rob him. Mm-hmm. I think they killed his partner. They did. Yes, that's what they said. And yeah. so they killed his partner, and he was shooting, and they were shooting at him, and all he had was dynamite, so he blew him up. The one guy was clearly an alcoholic, and said that he did not rob a bank. I believe that. He was very drunk and did something that looked like robbing a bank, but was not necessarily what he intended to do Mm because he was very clearly an alcoholic from the get go. Yeah. Um, So he's very affable, pretty good natured fellow, falling into the wrong place in time or making a bad decision while intoxicated and not actually meaning to commit the crime, but appearing to commit the crime enough to get 20 years in jail. I totally buy that one. Mm. And then the uh, head of the jail. I, what is? Who is he? What was his name? So that's counsel. Like his name was counsel. Colonel. Uh, yeah, counsel. They called him he was captain? captain. Counsel. Yeah. Yeah. And captain was a a title that he had in within the jail. But he's but, like the preacher, but also runs the jail. Yeah. Weird. Um. Anyway, he intimates that Kurt Russell raped someone. Mm-hmm. Potentially someone very young. Yeah. But I don't know if that was just the preacher saying young girl or if it was someone his age. Kurt Russell says right away, I didn't do that. But they never talk about it more than that. So they do not talk about whether or not 
the two sidekicks actually did what they got put in jail for. Yeah. And I feel like when your whole plot revolves around everybody in this small town in the middle of nowhere being easy to buy and corrupted by money and these three guys being the only decent guys around who are willing to help a young girl and do whatever when it's a moral story i feel like talking about the morality of how they ended up and where they ended up in prison is important even if they actually did it like jimmy stewart did it jimmy stewart murdered two guys but that was after they murdered his friend and were shooting at him and like do I think people that have murdered people can be good people? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, his murder, like, you don't have to have done it to, like, be a bad guy. And you don't have to have not done it to be a good guy. Yes. It's totally possible that you can rob a bank and be a good person. But I think that when the whole plot of the story re- revolves around these guys always doing the right thing by themselves and by their friends, it's important to discuss. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so there's a lot of hijinks. It happens in basically like a 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. The sheriff tries to run this, not the sheriff, the like whatever his name is, the preacher slash head of the jail. Yeah. Gives him five bucks and seven cents for car fare and says, don't ever come back here. Or you will die. Now, what the prisoners being released don't know, but the guy who's telling them don't ever come back here or you'll die knows, is that the head of the bank gave the $25,000 check as a cashier's check that could only be cashed in the location that it was issued. Mm -hmm. It could not be taken to any bank anywhere. So he says... Get out of town, never show your face here again, or we'll shoot you, knowing and having worked out with the town banker that, like, they're going to come back and try and collect, and then we will kill them because we want that $25,000. Yeah. Quite a racket. Yeah. Um, And then, so basically, the entire movie is this preacher slash head of the jail's henchman and him trying to chase after because Jimmy Stewart's like I'm not going to leave here without my money I'm owed that money I worked 40 years in jail I deserve that money Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all three of them are trying to go open a general store and like you know live a clean life and whatever from here on out and it's just this sort of inept fool's parade if you will (laughs) (laughs) Ayo. <laughs> them chasing after these really two guys who are too old to be running away as ex-cons and Kurt Russell who seems overly naive in this movie. I think they played it up too much. Yeah. Especially considering that what they said he went to jail for was hurting a girl and tearing off her clothes. I feel like you, if you don't want him, if you want him to seem young and innocent and, and to befriend the bloodhound, like the bloodhound for the jail is like his best friend. Mm-hmm. And like they went super hard on this guy is innocent and a good kid. You could have given him any job, <laughs> like anything that got him <laughs> into jail. 
It could have been any number of things, but they went with sexual assault. Potentially sexual assault of a minor. And I felt that that was weird because then they had to they felt like they had to be more heavy-handed with his naivete. And I think the thing that Kurt Russell does so well is not being naive. It's being kind of a jaded, world-weary young person. Yeah. So far, he has shined the most when he has seen his fair share of hardships and knows more than other kids his age, like, because of what he's gone through. That's when I found him most impressive. So I think they really did a disservice to Kurt Russell. Um, we talked about this before, but at one point they hide on a at one point they hide on a houseboat that's run by a prostitute. And she's the best part of the whole movie. All she wants out of life is to be part of the daughters of the American Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. she comes from a long line of women who all sold their bodies. And so even though her family goes right back to the founding of this country, because they're all hookers, they won't let her in the DAR. Uh, And she's very patriotic, and she's very casual about prostitution. And she just was easily my favorite character right off the bat. I'd watch a whole series about this woman. Me Just too. a whole her whole life. Let's spin it off, mm-hmm. you know? Let's take her right out of here. I was very uncomfortable about how casual everyone was about selling the virginity of the young girl, but that's always gonna be something that's not comfortable. Yeah. Um and the girl had no she had great screen presence, but literally no development whatsoever. None. Other than that, she's pretty and quiet. Um it was a very like male gazy view of this young girl. Almost no story, almost no lines. All you needed to know was that she looked sweet and pretty and young. Um, <laughs> but I did buy the chemistry between her and Kurt Russell. I did think that that like, played well. What were your thoughts on his dreaminess in this film? Is he back? He's very dreamy in this film. Okay. He's back. He's back. <laughs> All right, because we we he lost you there for a minute in the last one. So he did lose me there in a minute, and we'll see we'll see what happens with the next one. But I feel like, yeah, I don't know what it was with the maybe just his character, maybe just his character in the last one bugged me enough that I like didn't think he was as dreamy, but he was definitely dreamy in this one. All right, all right. Uh, the dog was amazing. The dog was good. He uh, the dog was good. Jerked around a lot. That actor was not, I don't know, maybe he was acting too much or maybe he didn't care about dogs. But <laughs> either way, the on-screen treatment was a little bit like, it was never, it was never like abusive, but it was never like this dog's clearly having a good time because he was clearly always like struggling, <laughs> but still a good actor. Yeah, he was the cause, you know, it was... The dog was the reason they were found maybe 90% of the time. And Correct. Then on was, the... the dog was the only one who was competent in this <laughs> yeah. whole town. On the opposite side of that, trains were the reason they got away 90% of the time. So mm-hmm. it's There's like... a lot of trains in this movie. It very much felt like a bottle episode of a TV show because they were only on trains, at a train platform, or in the woods. And it was like... 
you could have literally filmed this anywhere. You could have filmed this in someone's backyard if you had enough room for like <laughs> the section of train to go in and out of frame. It very much felt like a bottle episode of a TV show. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, there's the budget. Okay, mm-hmm. there, there it is. I got it. Certainly wasn't in Jimmy Stewart's glass eye. <laughs> I had to, I had to look that up. That was a real thing that he put in his eye. And mm-hmm. no, uh, that's that's why I'm saying they didn't put the money there. Is because oh, yeah. He literally was holding it in his eye like a like a monocle. Yeah. You, he was just literally like squinching a piece of glass eye into his eye socket. And so the him like taking it in and out and stuff mm-hmm. was horribly choreographed. I yeah, well, it was like very much like now my hand slowly raises, cut to someone else, cut back to you, and it's out, right? <laughs> yeah. Know? So yeah, and and they did one time do like a little special effect of the open eye socket. Yes, but all the rest of the time, when he didn't have his eye in, his eye was closed, and it was clearly just like makeup and him squinching an eye. I mean, Jimmy Stewart's great; he squinched as well as anyone could squinch. Of but course. Uh, it was definitely not prosthetics or special effects. It was like, here, put this in your eye, I guess. And Jimmy Stewart was like, okay. They had only filmed for 20 minutes at a time once that thing was in his eye. And then he would... I believe it. Yeah. I, I, I could not stop looking at it. I was like, that just looks so uncomfortable. I would yeah, not no, do it that. Looks like he's, it looks like he's physically exerting to keep a piece of glass on his eyelid. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, no. props to is 1971, so cool. I mean, now you could do that probably yeah. with just like a contact lens, I guess, and then just make it a different weird color mm-hmm. and it would be great, but, you know. I don't I don't, I don't yeah, recall anywhere were that's done way well. Way better 71 special effects than this glass eyes, all I'm saying. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, look, I stand corrected. They could, they should, <laughs> they should have done better with the glass eye. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, this was not Star Wars budget. But no, still. no. <laughs> I, I weirdly have a a lot of thoughts about this movie. Um, I would love to hear them. Oh my god! All right. At a very high level, that if Jimmy Stewart were not in this movie. This is probably a very bad film, right? Yes. Yes, I agree. I think this movie, had he not been in it, this movie is horseshit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I, I think if you go into it with that in mind, uh, Jimmy, St- he basically carries this movie on his back, which is yes. crazy. I, I'm not 100%. like, percent. I don't know a lot of what Jimmy Stewart has done through his career, like, I, you know, mm-hmm. but- this is some I've never seen someone work so hard to elevate a film to just mediocre. <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy what he's doing here. And props. He makes like there are lines of dialogue in this. It's it's a thing where if anybody else said this, it would be it's such bad writing. But for whatever mm-hmm. reason, this guy could say stuff. I don't know if they write to him like they're like, oh, Jimmy can say this line like I feel like there was there's the line at the end and he's like I'm just a he says something like I'm just an American citizen 
in a bank trying to cash a check or, or so, and I'm like, yeah, what is this horse shit? <laughs> like <laughs> this is, that's terrible. It's so bad. So at a high level, that's basically how I'm feeling about this film. I'm like, mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart is very, very watchable in this. And again, I agree with you. Kurt was super underutilized. It's weird because mm-hmm. they both have through their respective careers. They're both like, magnetic right like mm-hmm. it's just such a it was such i felt such wasted potential between these two like yes cut out all this this weird sidekick this drunken sidekick guy and give some mm-hmm. of that stuff to kurt it would have been it would have made it such a better movie well and also i think you've got the element then of sort of a father figure trying to get this kid on his feet i think if you cut out this weird middleman alcoholic I want to open a general store character yeah I think the movie is immediately better just from the like dynamics change of why Jimmy Stewart is investing this money that he made in jail yeah I'm I agree but I also know that like the chemistry between the two of them worked they both had chemistry on screen I definitely don't think this was a good film I think that there we're back at another case of like the seed of something potentially really amazing, but the end product is a letdown. I do think that this movie was better than a lot of the movies we've seen so far because it was a movie that ran at like a movie's pace through the movie's (laughs) editing. It was a story that was told clearly and concisely and had like a beginning, a middle, an end and antagonists and protagonists and it like had all of the things you need for a story to be a story, Mm -hmm. which we have not always had in some of these Kurt Russell movies. But I think the only reason that it was as watchable as it was and as entertaining as it was, was Jimmy Stewart and Kurt Russell. Yeah. So keep... Keeping on that track, right? I, I I will say like there were some rough lines, but I I pulled one because I liked it so goddamn much, and and hopefully you this this line left a pretty good impression on me. I'm gonna play it really quickly. It's only about twenty mm-hmm. seconds. I I love this line, and Jimmy Stewart crushed it. This I don't want to say this line almost redeems the whole movie, but I I really liked it. So here it is. How would he ever know to look here for us, Maddie? He's an evil man. Evil finds its own way. You know, it's kind of queer him being Sunday school teacher and all. God uses the good ones. The bad ones use God. Yeah. What a line. Mm-hmm. What a line. Yeah. Well, and it's sort of the thesis of the whole film. Yeah. I 100% agree. I I feel like I said this on so many of our films so far. (laughs) There is a good movie in here, right? Mm -hmm. Here's some cool stuff. This movie gave me whiplash a little bit in that Mm -hmm. we are, we have this, uh, George Kennedy played uh, the guy, Captain Council, and whatever his affiliation with the prison is, but that's who they were referring to in that line. And this dude is a psychopath, right? Like there's no two ways to cut it. Like he just, he kills three people in this movie, right? He kills more than three, doesn't he? Well, he kills the guy. There was the sale, the traveling salesman with the dynamite. He got shot mm-hmm. accidentally and that, and then he finishes him off. He shoots him in the head, right? Yeah. Like Madness. point blank square in the middle of the head. And then he at least kills the other two guys who were helping him, like the singer cowboy guy and then his 
like that guy's mentor or whatever. So like just this dude is he's absolutely nuts. And then we come back to Jimmy and he's like the most wholesome person we've ever met in the whole wide world. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's Jimmy Stewart for you. Yeah. It was just like this outlandish evil and then this ridiculous wholesomeness. And I was like, they didn't balance the tone of these things quite well enough for me they did not and i also think that the like wacky chase hijinks were not properly balanced with the like solemnity of a lot of the scenes where jimmy stewart's talking yes like not that it was over the top wacky but it kind of was over the top wacky for the tone of the rest of the movie yeah how do i say this there's this idea Right. And it's that I mean, they hammered home in ways big and small with like these ex-convicts being the good guys and this Sunday school teacher prison warden being, (laughs) you know, being a murderer. Right. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like a like another narrative that I think is a little bit more timely here where like if they remade this, I I could see how they would do it, where it's like the, the, the idea is that the bank is the one. The bank is doing the robbing and the shooting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. And that's it's like a reverse heist kind of. <laughs> and I'm like, I always think in terms of heists. It's OK. That's my thing. <laughs> but I mean, this this felt a lot like a heist movie. Yeah. It's I think that there's there's definitely something there. I've, I don't think I've really ever seen that before where it's. It's the bank going after money that was kind of honestly earned or, you know, insofar as what we are led to believe here. Mm-hmm. I just like I also that. genuinely think that, like, there was so much potential in the Jimmy Stewart. I'm too old for this. I spent 40 years in jail. I worked very hard in that time for mm-hmm. this money. I just want to live the rest of my life on my own terms, even if the rest of my life is the next 10 minutes. They didn't go hard enough on that because I think that's a super interesting, like, psychology to plumb in film. And I think that the Jimmy Stewart did it well what he did. But, like, at one point towards the end of the movie, he basically says, I'm going to make my last stand here even if that means that I die is essentially what he said. And then the other criminal was like, I'm here's my hat. I'm with you. They both agreed to like die for mm-hmm. a second rather than give in to this guy. Yeah. Which is, is super interesting. But then like nothing came of it. That was it. It was just, <laughs> and then there was like, Kurt Russell was like, I'm going to throw this dynamite. And the dog was like, I'm going to bring the dynamite back. And then they threw the dynamite back out the window. And they were, that was, I guess they were no longer ready to die on their own terms because then they kept running. <laughs> well, they blew that guy to hell. <laughs> they blew, you see that guy's shoe come through the window. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that was tidy. That was nice. Um, they, they, at that point, they also turned themselves in and, we wrap this thing up in like three minutes. In another case of whiplash. Right. I was, where we ugh. don't see. A, so there was a person on the train who was bought out mm-hmm. to basically be party to this murder of these three cons when they tried to get back into town. 
He spends the whole movie wrestling with his guilt about how he led three men into their doom and helped this guy on his murder quest to steal $25,000 from the rightful owner who worked for that money. Yeah. He's got a sick wife at home. His house has been mortgaged. He took the money because he hoped it would help his wife and keep his house. Uh, and then he wrestles with guilt the whole movie. We see him outside of the police station later after Jimmy Stewart says, be a good guy, go to the police station. Mm-hmm. Tell them what's happening and that this is not our fault. And then we assume that the driver, the like train conductor, t- goes in and talks to the cops because we see a cop saying hello to him. But then we don't see anything that transpires on that end. Correct. Until these three guys ostensibly turn themselves in and are heroes. And the whole crowd is like chanting for the bank to give them their money. And like, how does the whole town know about this? Who talked to the whole town? Why are they all on their sides? Like, for all these strangers know, these three ex-cons are turning themselves in. This whole extra part about the $25,000 and the bank not giving it to them and actually concocting a murder plot to not give it to them so the bank could keep the money and all of this stuff is just like, there's absolutely none of it transpires in the movie. And in a matter of seconds, it all happens in front of you. And so you spend the whole movie with these guys being ex-cons and even if they get out of here, even if they get the money, are they always going to be on the run and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's just like over for them and their local heroes. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely no rhyme or reason to why they are local heroes. Yeah. That, you know, it was a little tidy. (laughs) Like, you know, like you said, it wraps up quickly and I was thinking, like, did I want them to go into this? But you know, but on the sa- on the other side of that coin, I'm like, I don't want a 20 minute courtroom drama like Follow Me Boys did. <laughs> so. No, I definitely didn't want like court or anything. How I wanted it to end and how I thought it was going to end when Jimmy Stewart and the alcoholic in the house were like, I want to go out on my terms. I've been on somebody else's terms for my whole life in jail. And then they both basically agreed to commit suicide in order to keep this guy from his dastardly plans. Mm -hmm. That conversation is happening right as this girl is like confessing love for Kurt Russell and they're doing it in front of the fireplace. And I really like that was the only hope in the movie was these two young people falling for one another. Potentially like the ability for them to have a future, which... Right now is a little bit iffy because of both of their like upbringings and where they ended up. Mm-hmm, they may mm-hmm. not have a bright future. So I 100% expected Jimmy to hand him all of the cash and have them like sneak out the back door with the dog. And then those two old guys like sacrifice themselves for this young couple. That would have been it. There's There it I, is. In like 10 seconds... I saw that whole end of the movie play out and then they blew up the guy and turned themselves in. And I was like, wait, none of this is going to happen. But it was totally a it was totally set up for. We're going to bite the bullet on this one. We're old. We've lived our lives. We want to go out on our terms. And these two have a chance. So here's all the money. Go out here and we're going to blow this house up with us in it. You know, the ending that could have been. Mm-hmm. 
And it's so it's like right. It's like hand. It's like on a silver platter, and then they don't do it. Yeah, it's right there. I don't know what the situation is again. I, I mean, this is the seventies. Yeah, it's and it's like, Jimmy Stewart. So are you going to kill Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. Are you going to have Jimmy Stewart like commit suicide by dynamite? Probably not. <laughs> I get it. That is a very modern sensibility, though. Whoever it is. whoever plays him in the remake, Liam which, Neeson. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, Liam Neeson's definitely suicide by dynamiting. That's that's where Liam Neeson is at in his career is to be this like glass eyed old ex-con who knows the tricks, but is a really nice guy and is like hardened, but also does what's right. And all of that stuff is like it's just perfect for Liam Neeson and who he is and what he does. That is I mean, you're not wrong because I'm thinking about that now and I'm like, holy shit. He's like, I've seen him be charming, like turn that on. And then Mm -hmm. you believe that this dude gets out of jail from murdering someone for after 40 Mm -hmm. years. You're like, yeah, look at him. Yeah, Yeah. he looks like he did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if it was self-defense, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Liam Neeson. In a remake of this. Mm-hmm. That thought occurred to me right at the end of the movie. I was like, if they made this movie now, A, this is not how it would end. And B, who would be in it? And the only thing that immediately Liam Neeson jumped to mind. Yeah. I didn't think of any of the other casting because honestly, none of the rest of it matters. That's some dream casting. You pulled a me right there. Gen- well, here's the deal. I was a little bit more. I feel like this movie had me a little bit more. Maybe than than you from the sound of it, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I my mind didn't wander off into like, how could I make this so much better? Like, it seemed pretty obvious how to make this movie better. <laughs> but I was in for some of the hijinks, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and Jimmy Stewart, again, very watchable, very watchable. I mean, yeah, he's just one of the greats, you know? Yeah. We both agree that Kurt was underutilized, but fine when he had lines, I guess, right? Yeah, he was He was good in this. Um, I don't think he was at his full potential in this. And I don't think that's his fault. I think he did everything he had, like he could with what he had, which was nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the couple of scenes with him and Jimmy Stewart talking when like the alcoholic was off someplace else, that was the only time the movie had any sense of urgency. Is when Jimmy Stewart was like, "You don't you jump off this plane, train and try to go back home." Yeah, and he was like, "I won't, I promise." And then like that whole interplay between them, and then when the alcoholic runs off to the houseboat, and there he's like, "I have to meet him under the trestle still." Just like the relationship between the two of them, when it was directly between the two of them, really was like worked well and was loaded and had energy but i don't think that he was used to his full potential which is unfortunate you yeah he is very pretty if you're if you're just in if you just want to know what movies is he pretty in this is one of them that should be a segment i think we can make that an ongoing segment right where you just make that determination yeah I mean, I feel like that's a heavy burden for me alone to bear. But yes, I'm happy to do like a brief moment of, is he hot in this one? (laughs) We got to come up with something. Some 
Yeah. I'm going to, I got to, I'm going to brainstorm that actually. I'll brainstorm that later after we're finished, but yeah, I think that could be really, really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't have much else. I don't think about this one. Um, I will say pretty cool. Some pretty cool to see. This is just a very nerdy me thing. Pretty cool to see cinematography moving in a nice forward direction for me. A lot more camera movements. A lot of the, I, I like the editing stuff like that. A little too much handheld at one or two points. Yeah. They haven't quite perfected because the cameras back then are still filmed. They're very bulky. So handheld yeah. was like very like. Very ooh. like Blair Witch <laughs> when it didn't need to be. Yeah. When they're just like walking down the riverbank. But it's like. It feels like Blair Witch because of just how difficult it is to do handheld. Yeah. Um, like, I got why they were doing handheld when they did it, but it was too much for me. And the, there was only, like, two brief times that they really utilized it. But both times I was like, I might be sick. Yeah. And I think the only time we had a a paint... Um, a projection was when they were on the train, like when mm-hmm. there was a scene where they were on the train and it was like pr- clearly very, uh, very clearly projection out the window. But everything mm-hmm. else, you know, there was a time where all four of the our characters had to like run and jump onto a, a, a train car and it was them. I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very uneven movie for me. Very overall. uneven. Overall, I I mean, not to jump ahead too much in the podcast, but I rated a lot higher than things we've seen before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm very torn on whether or not to say it was a good movie or whether or not to recommend it, but it was very entertaining and watchable. I just think there was a lot of things that could have been done better pretty easily in this. I feel good about that. I feel good about uh, our discussion here. I'm glad that I, I wasn't taking crazy pills and that, again, you you even saw that there is a good movie in here, but for sure, this, <laughs> it requires some rejiggering. I mean, like, I never once in this movie was, like, exasperated and I'm going to turn this off. I was entertained the whole time. Yeah, which is something for sure. That's I, I could say we that have not always had that in this <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah, there's been a couple of Kurt movies that I was not invested in and I was ready to turn off. <laughs> this one was, uh, again, very brisk, also 90 minutes. So, again, you can't really fault it too much. It's like it got a lot mm-hmm. done in a in a very respectable amount of time. It didn't feel like it was wasting my day watching it. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know. Uh, points for that as well. Points for that as well. Mm-hmm. All right. P- potentially our listeners' favorite part of the show, I think, maybe Whitney. <laughs> I don't know. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback about it. I want to talk about our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> this week at Skillshare. It's incredible. Skillshare. <laughs> You've heard me talk about Skillshare before. Probably too long. But here we go again, because (laughs) because we have obligations. (laughs) What an intro. Here we go. Here we go. Skillshare's motto, right, Mm -hmm. is create, build, thrive. And I think that is pretty cool. In my humble opinion, 
those three words are I, I like every one of those. I like every one of those. I do too. I'm gonna run through really quickly a couple of the featured classes on the Skillshare homepage right now, which would be included if you decided to sign up with our our link. You ready, Whitney? Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. you you yell out yes or no if you're in any of these, okay? Okay. How about creative writing, crafting personal essays with impact? How's that sound? Yes. Okay. How about fun with faces? Create a stylized digital portrait. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's definitely not something that I'm skilled with, uh, for sure. But it sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it looks like from no prior experience needed, and you can create a really cool digital portrait of yourself. I guess we'll awesome. see. How about art journaling for self care? Colon three exercises for reflection and growth. Yeah, why not? See? And that's, I mean, oh my gosh, what else do we, real productivity, how to build habits Mm -hmm. that last. God, Mm -hmm. I could really use that one. Let me tell you, I am going to add that to my (laughs) queue, actually. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) And Andrew, you are a teacher on Skillshare. Yeah. What, what, class could they take from you? I teach video editing in Final Cut Pro, which is uh, one of the, in my opinion, best and fastest video editing platforms available. Mm -hmm. So you want to be, it's actually really cool. A lot of my students have gone on to do uh, vlogging and have tens of thousands of subscribers, which is fantastic. Many of them have made uh, short or feature length films, which is incredible. I get emails from people years after the fact. They're like, your class helped me make this and I'll get a link to a thing to watch on whatever. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, that's cool. So, yeah, Love it. I teach that. I have another thing coming up in collaboration with Skillshare that I will announce when it is time to do that. But uh, it's another class and very relevant to... Uh, let's say it's relevant to what we're doing right now. I could I could say that much. It's great. If you go to 12and24.com slash Skillshare, that is 12and24.com slash Skillshare, or in your podcast client, just click on the artwork. It'll take you there. Uh, you can get a, what do we have? Free 14-day trial. Mm-hmm. And then you can learn whatever you want. Any of those classes I listed, any class on Skillshare, you could take in those first 14 days. And then if you want to continue, it's $15 month to month after that. If you are a student and you have uh, an .edu email address, it's half that price, right? It's 50% off. So can't beat it. Even better because we all know students, you know, you got too much to worry about. You can't also have a job. Don't do that. It's weird. Just focus on your studies. Do good. Do good. (laughs) There are 30,000 classes and... You know, I am but one of those 30,000, but (laughs) there are certainly some that I have also taken that I've really, really enjoyed. I get a lot out of it as both a teacher and a student. It's one of those situations. I'm not just the president. I'm a member as well. I can't remember Mm -hmm. what that slogan is from. Hair Club for Men. Is that what it's from? I think so. Actually, then that slogan is not super relevant if you've ever seen a photo of me. So nary a hair. Right. It's just smooth up top. Hey, whatever. 
go ahead. Visit 1234.com. <laughs> there was no clean dismount. I wish I could there write a class it. about that, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. How to, <laughs> how to be prepared for anything that gets thrown your way. Uh, maybe you should take a class on I it. Should. <laughs> I bet they have a class on clean dismounts. Yeah. I... I <laughs> It's a whole field of study for just this specific task. It's yeah. great. <laughs> 12and24.com slash Skillshare. Check it out. It helps us. It helps, uh, you know, pay for stuff like hosting and all this good stuff, uh, you know, and help Whitney and I fulfill our dreams of just talking into a microphone for the rest of our life. How cool would that be? Yes, correct. How cool would that be? Very cool. Let's do that. Skillshare. Let's do it. <sighs> Crushed it. <laughs> We did. <laughs> that was the best one yet. Every single one we do is better than the last. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how we can keep topping ourselves. Just spitting gold out here. <laughs> Whitney. Yes. This is your film to discuss. Uh-huh. I think Wikipedia does a very good job. Maybe too yeah. much detail, but. <laughs> Probably too much detail. Yeah. Um. Especially since I've told you all most of the plot by this point. If you want to skim um, it and just go, yeah. I mean, whatever you feel like doing, you you let me know. So the plot of this movie is in 1935, murderer Maddie Appleyard, who is Jimmy Stewart, bank robber Lee Cottrell, who is Struther Martin, and young Johnny Jesus. <laughs> I didn't realize his last name was Jesus. It was such a weird choice. Uh, who's Kurt Russell, are released from the West Virginia State Penitentiary located in the fictional town of Glory. Appleyard is issued a check for $25,000 and uh, and some change for his 40 years of prison work. This is an enormous amount in the Great Depression. That seems kind of like editorializing Wikipedia, but okay. Yeah. It is. It is I mean, he's All, not wrong. It yeah. is. All three men are escorted by prison captain Doc Council to the train station. However, once on the train, Appleyard realizes that his check is only redeemable in person at the local bank in glory. Council plots with banker Homer Grindstaff, which is, that name made me laugh every single time they said Mr. Grindstaff, because it sounds like the Simpsons making fun of porn. (laughs) Yeah, that guy should be hanging out with Cleo, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, he plots with the banker to ensure that the check is never cashed. He and his accomplices, Steve Mystic and Junior Kilfong, these are all real names. Wow. I mean, not real names of real people, but names in this story. The what? names are outrageous. The names <laughs> have the least suspension of disbelief of anything in this whole story. I don't realize. How am I realizing this? Just Steve Mystic? is that <laughs> Steve Mystic is the like... Thug henchman guy and Junior Kilfong is his like uh, the, the 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 singer the cowboy singer the singer kid? yeah the only kills atheists in the silk shirt yeah <laughs> so they travel to the first stop down the line in order to uh, meet the train there and kill Appleyard so he can't cash the check <laughs> he's informed of the plot by the guilt ridden the guilt ridden conductor Willis Hubbard. Uh, so the three former prisoners decide to thwart the plan. Um, 
Kilfong ends up shooting mining supply salesman Roy K. Sizemore, who was just a passenger on the train, when they were trying to shoot Jimmy Stewart. They kill this guy instead. Or they sh- they wound this guy, and then Council walks up and shoots him dead in the you know point blank range in the forehead. And then he goes to th- and places the blame on Jimmy Stewart and says he's got another murder count. He's going to go down for this murder of this guy. Yeah. So the conspiracy is to charge him for murder again now that they haven't killed him. Jimmy Stewart. Meanwhile, escapes with this salesman's supply of dynamite, which was a whole thing. <laughs> it was too much of a thing, to be honest. It was with way you. too much of a thing. There was far too much dynamite in this for my tastes, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Something needs to blow up. Something needs to blow yeah. up. There's a suitcase full of dynamite. Jimmy Stewart steals it because the guy who's supply it was is dead so the next day council goes to the bank to upstate mr grind staff uh of what happened as they talk jimmy stewart walks in with some of the dynamite strapped to his chest and the remainder in a suitcase he threatens to blow them all up and half the city block if the banker does not cash his check yeah this was jimmy stewart's joker moment and i loved it it was great it was very well done yeah. The banker's like, I'm calling your bluff. You're not going to do it. And he lights a lights one of the fuses on his dynamite without even blinking. And it's very compellingly played. Yeah. So they give him the money. But then they are immediately going to be killed and chased and shot and taken back to jail and whatever. Because now there's a murder rap. So they know that they have to get out of town without being caught. So they run out the back door of the restaurant that neighbors the bank. They split up and plan to meet again later by a train trestle so they can hop on a freight train while waiting on the trestle, under the trestle at the rendezvous. Mm -hmm. The alcoholic sidekick is talked into boarding a houseboat owned by a down on her luck prostitute named Cleo for a drink of whiskey. Also aboard is Chanty, a 16-year-old whom Cleo has taken in, hoping to sell her virginity for $100. It got a little dicey there for a minute. I was worried. It did. Yeah. It did. I did not. Uh, I was like, I don't know how they're going to make this yeah. right. They, they. It was fine. So Jimmy Stewart and Kurt Russell follow him after he gets a bit of a head start on the whiskey. They show up to the houseboat only to be tracked down almost immediately on their heels by Council and the Bloodhound Dog. Uh, the three friends manage to get away in a little skiff that was attached to the houseboat, leaving behind the su- suitcase of dynamite and this girl who's going to be sold to the highest bidder. Johnny is worried about what the Council will do to Chanty, so they turn around and go back after Council leaves. So they go back for the girl. They're like, we should never have left her there. We don't know why we did. We're risking our own lives, but we can't leave her there to be sold to the highest bidder. So they go back. Uh, He's just walking away. Council's just walking away. Uh, But Council told Cleo about the money. Yeah. That Jimmy Stewart is, you know, full of cash. 
They were like, this guy has it all on him. So council walks away with the bloodhound. There's a close call on them like being caught and whatever, but then he's gone. And then at gunpoint, Cleo's like, give me your money and leave. (laughs) And she's like, you can take Chanty. In, you know, $25,000 is a lot more than $100. And that's what I thought I was going to get for her. Sure. Essentially. So they take the girl and they leave the houseboat. And then we see Cleo, the prostitute, trying to get into the case. She is also drunk because she had as much whiskey as the alcoholic did. Yeah. Um, and the case is locked. She does not know that this case is full of dynamite instead of money. So she tries to shoot the lock off and blows up her whole houseboat uh, and herself. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I that's another off. That's another one of these things where like it got dark, like (laughs) real dark, real quick. Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy, especially considering that she was one of the the my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, she was comedic relief. Not five minutes before this happened and Mm -hmm. a very interesting kind of character as well yeah yeah it was really bizarre they go to try and hop a freight car the freight car was not actually on a freight train it was a trap or a fool's parade as jimmy stewart says (laughs) going nowhere beyond the local train yard they were asleep on this boxcar for six hours or so Going around in circles and then stopping, and they did not realize that. But the guy doesn't, council doesn't come in and kill them or arrest them or anything. They just sleep in the boxcar for six hours, and he's still sitting there in his car waiting for them. Mm-hmm. The This is when we see the train conductor again, and we this is when we know that he's still guilt-ridden. He returns and helps them escape from the boxcar that is being staked out. They get in his car. He drives them not too far away, but far enough away that they have a little bit of a lead. And they, he says, I'm too afraid to tell the police what I know because the bank and this guy and they're, you know, willing to kill people. And I can't lose my job. I can't lose my life. Mm-hmm. So I can't go tell the truth to the police that these two are wildly out of control and murdering people. Council, Mystic, and Kilfong track them to an abandoned house. Uh, this is where, you know, they leave the train conductor's car and they find an abandoned house that was foreclosed on. They hole up in there. They get tracked to that house. Council decides he does not want to share the money, which he has now decided to take because it's now in cash on Jimmy Stewart's person before he was just going to like hand him over to the bank and now he's like this money is mine yeah and i'm not going to share it with you fools so he kills both of them and the blood in the scene has absolutely no relation to physics <laughs> he, he shoots them with blood i believe <laughs> that's the only way that you can explain it is that there's uh like hollow points full of blood because they <laughs> the way that they get bloodied is immediately like laugh out loud funny it really was he got like shot in the back but like blood all on his face and like it was it was crazy Mm -hmm. anyhow he kills those two thugs and then he shoots a window out trying to kill jimmy stewart and 
He wounds Jimmy Stewart, who falls over, and both the kid and the alcoholic are like, well, now what the fuck do we do? We don't know how to use dynamite. We don't have any brains for plans or escaping. Now that he's, you know, wounded, we're lost. So Johnny, Kurt Russell, throws together, like, the dynamite cap and the dynamite and a fuse and, and, you know, does his best without knowing how to do it. Yeah. And throws a stick of dynamite at Council, who's out in the bushes. But the bloodhound, who is, like, Kurt Russell's best friend from jail, fetches it and brings it inside. (laughs) Good dog. And then Jimmy Stewart has, like, resumed consciousness by this point and hastily throws it out a window. And that window just happened to be exactly where this guy was hiding because now Council is dead. The men are arrested and Jimmy Stewart's money's confiscated. But the train conductor has confessed the truth. And so instead, Grindstaff, the head of the bank, is arrested and the money is given to Jimmy Stewart. And they are exonerated from the murder. And now they have the money. And they get the dog. (laughs) They get the dog at the end. They all board a train. All four of them, including the girl, because she's falling in love with Kurt Russell. Uh He's taken her virginity for free. They... The dog runs up to him and then jumps on the train with them. And so all four of them are off to start a general store somewhere with the dog. It sounds Happily great. ever after. That sounds great, you know? The end. I'm happy it worked out for everyone, seemingly. Mm-hmm. I would love to see what was in that what the alcoholic's book where he was just writing down different kinds of goods, you know? Like shoelaces, can of tomatoes, you know? Like... The best of the best. I really resonated with that dude when he was like, (laughs) these baked beans are great. Is it rude to ask the restaurant owner what these are because I would like to stock them in my store? Sure. Hey. I I did not like him and I did not associate with him at all, except for those moments where he's like, what brand of bourbon is this? I like it. I want to carry it in my general store. (laughs) Right. Anytime that he did that, he was like, what is this? And he, like, writes down the name of the tinned tomatoes or the, you know... The tinned tomatoes was the only time that I actually had a problem because it was, like, trash under a bridge. Yeah. It's like, if it's good enough for hobos. Yeah. (laughs) Every other time he was like, I really like these baked beans. They're best in their class. What brand are they? I want to stock them. I really felt that because there's been more than one time where I've been like, I wonder where they source this from. I could sell it. It's a good product. I have had that thought multiple times and I don't even want to own a general store. So <laughs> that's more like, I just like what brand of bourbon is this? I would like to have this in my house. <laughs> that's, that's basically how I go. I'm like, okay, I'll write that down. This is wonderful. Let me take a picture of it. Oh, that was, uh, that was the movie. That was the fool's parade. <laughs> I like that. It was said, I, are you a person who likes when they say the title of the movie in the movie? No. You don't like it? I don't like it. Oh, so that was probably even Jimmy Stewart saying? I mean, it's better when Jimmy Stewart says it. If Jimmy (laughs) Stewart just popped up in every movie and said the title, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fair. But in general, I feel it's kind of, it feels kind of hackneyed to to shoehorn the title into the... I would love, I I actually would love that more if we could figure out a way to do that more often. 
You want to have him just get Jimmy? I mean, he's well dead. Yeah, so we can you know, figure we gotta, something out. Yeah, I mean, we you know we've aged down everybody. You know, it's, it's like Stan Lee cameos in Marvel movies. Only it's Jimmy Stewart and in every movie, and he just every, says the title of the movie. It's the it's the Jimmy Stewart cinematic universe. <laughs> I would love to see him try it for Mad Max Fury Road. That's all I'm saying. How do you deliver that line? That title. Let's go. Let's go. Now the burning question, oh. Andrew. Oh boy. I'm asking you first. Do you recommend this movie? God. This is this is a tough one for me because it's so mm-hmm. binary. Yes. So I am actually going to recommend this film for Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. That's he Same. Uh, he carries this movie. It's unbelievable. And I believe that this is his final theatrical film appearance and in that regard like the last thing that Jimmy Stewart did on film yeah and him carrying the movie I think in if this were a Jimmy Stewart podcast (laughs) it would be unclear yes I recommend this film since it's a Kurt Russell podcast it's somewhat questionably but it's still yes I recommend this film but because of Jimmy Stewart right it's got it's got enough going for it Mm-hmm. For me, even though I realize it's wildly uneven, I'm still, it was never too immersion breaking for me. Like, true, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, what the fuck was that? <laughs> a lot yeah. in this movie. It was wild. It was a wild movie. There were times where I was like, I don't understand what's happening at all. Yeah, but I was entertained. <laughs> So a lot of that initial train stuff where the like the salesman is talking to them and we think maybe he's part of this plot to kill them. He's like, we think maybe the the salesman is part of the plot with the train conductor, but then he's not. But then he has a thing full of dynamite, but he's like asking all these probing questions. It was there was a lot of times where I was like, what is happening here? (laughs) I have questions. Um, and they're never answered. Overall, it was entertaining. And I think that with the caveat of Jimmy Stewart is the one that makes this movie work without him, it would be garbage. Yeah. I would recommend this film. Absolutely. Writers take note. Also, this this is how you name characters as far as I'm concerned. Right. <laughs> if there isn't a Homer Grindstaff. <laughs> or a Johnny Jesus. <laughs> or a Johnny Jesus. Then I don't know what you're doing. I, I honestly really don't know. I wanted them to go more into Kurt Russell's character, not only because I think there should be more Kurt Russell in this movie, but also because he's found in a cardboard box under a seat in a theater mm-hmm. as a baby. Yeah. So, like, someone went to the movies and left him under their seat in a cardboard box. And then who raised him? A lot happened between birth and, you know, him at like 19, 20 years old getting out of jail. Right. And we don't know any of it. We don't know any of it. How it happened, we don't... They didn't go into any of the being accused of assault at all. Like, nothing... There's literally no idea... Who named him Johnny Jesus? (laughs) Someone gave him that name, but we don't know who because we don't know who found him in the box. (laughs) Hollywood, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. Remake this movie. 
and give us our goddamn answers. Yeah. <laughs> we need closure on this, on this, on a lot of things, but this movie. Let's start here. Let's start here. But with the two old men sacrificing themselves in the dynamite explosion. It's got to be Liam Neeson also. So that's non-negotiable. Yeah, that's true. I don't know who the drunkard would be. Oh, I do know who it is. It's Mad-Eye Moody from Harry Potter. Gleason. Okay, sure. Brendan Gleason. Yeah, Brendan Gleason. Yes! But also, but also we talked about them not having that character. Yeah, I, if, if he's going to be in the, there. And having like sort of father-son dynamic. That'd actually be fine, too. I'll take that. Between if you got to put that Liam guy Neeson in. Between and whoever the young one is. Yeah. I don't know who the young person is. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. Ansel Elgort's canceled, so he's the only young actor I know. <laughs> we, can't, we can't give it to him. Who else is young? Who's, Timothy Chalamet? Yeah, is he young? I don't know how young he is. He looks young. He could certainly play young. We could age him up, too. It doesn't, you know, it could be a, he could be in his mid-20s, right? I don't know how old he is, but there you go. I like it. I like it. Hollywood, make it happen. I don't know how I feel about Timothy Chalamet and Liam Neeson in a movie. Yeah, that's together. That's, that's, that that's, that's a weird dynamic. Oh, you know, I'm still not. I'm still not sold on the young. We there's a better young one than Timothy. You know who? Um, the just as long as it's not Ansel Elgort. It can't be him. No. Who am I thinking of here? Oh, I'm never gonna get it off the top. Even of my though head. Ansel Elgort is dreamy. He is, you know. I'll give it up. So he, was... he fits. He fits that Kurt Russell aspect, but he's canceled. He was. Uh... He's a poopy dude. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Baby Driver, I think. Right, that was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was fine. Yeah. He's he was a fine. poopy dude. <laughs> I did not. I've. It's it's a lot to keep up with, but I'll take. I'm you know I I believe yeah. you a hundred percent. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. Whitney and I will ponder on who the young person is. Maybe it doesn't even have to be a, a male actor. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. That's maybe. Oh, I mean, but then they wouldn't be at the same prison, right? Aren't prisons not co-ed? Yeah. I mean, they could be different. Sorry for the double negative. That made it more confusing than it needed <laughs> they to be. They aren't not co-ed. <laughs> Are they not? Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah. We'll ponder on this. Whitney. <laughs> I love We'll do it on our own time. I love not this yours. show. I love this show so much. <laughs> Whitney, where does... I had to answer the harder burning question of yes, no. Mm-hmm. It is your turn to tell me where mm-hmm. this goes. Oh, I and listeners, if you're keeping track... Our lists remain identical to this point. I don't know, you know, but incredible, incredibly, mm-hmm. that is the case. Whitney, where does this go on your Kurt Russell movie ranking? I'm putting it at number two. Putting it at number two. Between the computer wore tennis shoes and follow me boys. Okay. Shorter than follow me boys with, uh, with a lead who is just as charming and kind of of mm-hmm. that same error, that milieu of mm-hmm. uh, folksy kind of. You could literally watch this movie twice in the time it takes to watch Follow Me, boys. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, 
Do our lists remain identical? Yeah, this is my second film as well. <laughs> I was looking at the list. Yeah. I was like, yep, it's got to be. It's got. It's not better than the computer wore tennis shoes, which is complete. And I had I found very little wrong with. And Follow mm-hmm. Me Boys While Wild and went a lot of places and not all of them I agreed with. Uh, gets docked points for some of those things. This is like yep. the is a great balance. It's a great balance. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I would not call this a good movie. I was entertained the whole time. Yeah. I felt felt good about like watching it overall. I don't necessarily recommend it unto itself, but I think for what it is and for where it is in cinema history and Jimmy Stewart and all of that, it's number two on the list. Yeah, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna go there too. Yeah, that feels good. The lists remain identical. What an incredible, incredible phenomenon. Especially when you consider, I wonder by eight movies how different our lists were for Cool Breeze. It had to. It had to have been. They were wildly different. I think yeah. eight movies in. Yeah. Mainly because I d- hated that hockey movie. <laughs> young Blood. <laughs> yeah, Young Blood. I did not like Young Blood, and I did kind of like the gymnastics one. Flying was great. They had a a flip off in the parking lot. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. How could you go wrong? This is madness, but I like it. It's controlled chaos. Is it controlled chaos? It is in a way. I can't even, I, I cannot believe how different these movies are narrative wise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how they differ in terms of quality, all mm-hmm. manner of quality, right? And yet here we are eight movies in or whatever we are. Identical. 100% identically, all the way down the list. So, I don't mean, do we need a reckoning this season? Who knows? I don't, <laughs> like, what is going to change, really, if we keep it up like this? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's nuts. Like I said, at this point, I, I believe that this is empirically the list so far. Mm-hmm. With you and me having different taste in movies and very different lists for Keanu Reeves, this 100% agreement down the board for these early films, I know it's going to change up in the next, like, five or six movies. We're going to start seeing big differences. Yeah. But up until now, I believe this is empirically the order of the movies. So this that you bring up something interesting. I made, mm-hmm. I rejiggered our list a little bit, and now mm-hmm. I think it's perfect. All right? Okay. I got rid of... The Longest Drive 2 or whatever that was. I can't remember what that movie was but because it's not on the list anymore and it's gone from my brain. <laughs> but there was some the Captive mm-hmm. 2, The Longest Drive Part 5. I, whatever that movie was, it's off the list, right? Okay. That sure. cleaned things up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Season 1 is going to take us right to The Strongest Man in the World, which I feel like thematically is perfect yes. because I did not know well, that that was part that of a trilogy. I did not know that. Closes out the Disney years. Yeah. So that takes us to 1975. So we went from 64 yeah. to 75. Season two kicks off in 1980 with a movie called Used Cars. And then we go right into Escape from New York. And everything yeah. else worked out to be the exact decade. So 80s, 90s, aughts, and current awesome. day, Kurt. And I'm like, holy shit, this looks great. So that was a little, a little bit of tweaking and rejiggering, but I love it now. It's, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we're going to talk next week. This is, this is part two 
this is the sequel, right? Am I am I wrong about this? Now you see him, now you don't. It's the sequel. I don't know if it's the sequel. Okay, so it's like the same guy. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that happened to him in the computer war tennis shoes basically turns him invisible and then later on turns him strong. But I think it's more <laughs> akin to like Nancy Drew books or something. Like I don't oh. think, that, I think they're just like moments in time of this exceptional kid going through all of these weird science things. Got I it. don't think they're like necessarily in order. I don't think any of the events of the first one, like the girlfriend and the whatever and the college and where he at leaves the, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think maybe it's just the same kid having the same problems. That's interesting. But different. Before they did any kind of shared universe stuff. Yes. You know, they're yes. like. I don't necessarily think this is a trilogy in that the story goes like one, two, three, or like timeline one, timeline two, and then prequel or whatever. I don't think it's like that. I think they're all just three separate stories with the same protagonist. Mm-hmm. I think it's much closer to like a Sherlock Holmes or a Nancy Drew kind of a thing than like a one, two, three. Right. I could be wrong about that, though. It's been a long time since I've seen Now You See Him, Now You Don't. And I'd never even seen The Computer War Tennis Shoes. OK. All right. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm curious. <laughs> it would be funny if he's like, wow, this weird stuff just keeps happening to me. It's nuts. It's what a, what a crazy life I've had so far. Now I'm invisible. So that'll be good. I'm looking forward to that one. We're squarely back in Disney territory for that one, I'm assuming, because it's thematically, you know, same character and all that good stuff. So I'm expecting, you know, good things. Good things. Yeah. That brings us to the end, Whitney. Another one. Boom. In the, in the, where do you want to call that? In the tank? In the bank? In the Not trunk? In the bank, because that's where Grindstaff is. Oh, yeah. Screw that guy. He was bad news bears. I'm just an American in a bank trying to cash a check. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's me. Whitney, I know that people can't go very long without us. It's apparent. We're a five-star podcast now. I don't know if you're aware of that. People can't go. They can't go a week without hearing us. It's crazy. Uh-huh. If people needed more of you on the internet, where, where could they find you? Um, I am on Twitter at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And I am on Instagram at Whitney Nelson without the underscore. Um, all you will find there is pictures of animals and food. Mm-hmm. My cat, my dog, and the food that I cook. I see nothing That's wrong it. with this. I see nothing wrong with this. Occasionally my face, but very rarely. Andrew, where can we find you? You can find me. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. After I said it on our last episode, I went and I looked and I really do just yell at clouds on my Twitter account. And that's totally fine. It's kind of my personal brand on there now. So I like that. And Instagram, I take photos from time to time. So you can find Whitney and I both on the Discord as well. 1224.com slash Discord. You know, join us. It'll be great. It'll be great. Talking movies, talking TV shows. We were talking about Zack Snyder. And how bad that movie is going to be soon. It's going to be great. How bad it is. It's going to be great how bad it is, is what I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to press this button. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Thank you all for joining us. And in the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. John Mahoney of the L.A. Free Press gave it three out of five stars and says it was an interesting yet sordid affair. Oh, yeah. Blah, blah. That's not I'm the pretentious quote. as all hell. <laughs> it didn't paste correctly. Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's filler text. Uh, live behind the scenes. Uh, look here, people. Hold on. Well, I could just... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> just click, uh, just click through to Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and John Mahoney's quote is at the top, <laughs> or near the near the top. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> okay.